It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Good evening, and welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And today is August the 11th, and I am here in beautiful New York City where the weather is much cooler, I hear, (laughs) than it is in Texas. And um, Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment is back in Austin, Texas, making sure that the show runs smoothly this evening. And um, we have a great show in store for you this evening. And back in Austin, Texas, is where our first guest will come from, and that will be Carrie Hummingbird. And she is an intuitive energy healer, host of the inspirational weekly podcast, Soul Nectar Show, and author of the new bestseller, The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama. So I'm really interested in speaking to her about this great book that I've, that I've been reading, and uh, it's amazing. I love this book, and um, I'm really excited to have a chance to talk to Carrie about it. And then later in the program, musician Cass Clayton will join us from Colorado, and she's going to discuss how she followed her passion of music, and we're going to do a little extra long interview than we normally do for a musician. She's going to talk about following her passion, and then we'll get into the music interview, and she'll talk about her music, and we'll play some of her original songs. And I'm going to give a sneak peek into my book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age. And I'll be discussing finding balance and through having compassion and generosity and, um, you know, focusing. We'll we'll talk about that. (laughs) So... Is a great show in store for you. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments or for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address is drmara at drmaracarpell.com. So that's D-R-M-A-R-A at D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And um, if you do have a question for any of my guests, I do recommend that you call or email while they are still on the air so they can answer your questions. And you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website, drmaracartel.com, and the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight, along with all of the website links 
that are given by my guests on the program. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blog talk radio, B-L-O-G talkradio.com slash your golden years. And for information from previous programs, to listen to previous programs, to read my blog um, in Huffington Post and in Arianna Huffington's Thrive Global, um, to watch some videos that we have created um, when guests have come to the Austin studio to do the interview, as well as some other videos and radio show interviews that I've been on, all of that is at my website, drmarakarpel.com. And you can also hear all of the previous programs that have been done right here on Blog Talk Radio for the past in the past five and a half years by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden years. I also recommend that you follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, because that is where I post everything that's coming up. Um, when radio shows are coming up, uh, whenever I post a blog, it immediately goes to my Facebook page, any other events or information. So that's a good place to go to find out what's happening. So that's, again, that's Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years on Facebook. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City, practicing in Austin, Texas, and the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and caregivers, and for the past few years, I've also been evaluating veterans for PTSD and other service-connected mental health conditions. Um, if you're interested in contacting me, if you have a question or if you have some information that you want me to know about, feel free to give me a call. My phone number is 512-626-6973, and my email address is drmara at drmaracarpel.com. And this evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by Dr. Ronald DeVere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. DeVere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512-261-7909, or you can send him an email to rdevere, that's R-D-E-B-E-R-E, at austin.rr.com. And his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by StoryHouse. StoryHouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have StoryHouse over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. StoryHouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. 
Okay, we're going to take a brief break, but don't go anywhere because it's going to be a very brief break just to play a few of our sponsors' commercials. And we'll be joined as soon as we get back from Austin, Texas, by the by Intuitive Energy Healer, host of the Inspirational Weekly Podcast Soul Nectar Show, and author Carrie Hummingbird to discuss her new international bestseller, The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Worried about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years. Specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia, Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. All right, and we are back. And if you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us from back in Austin, Texas, um, we have intuitive energy healer, host of the inspirational weekly podcast, The Soul Nectar Show, and author Carrie Hummingbird. And Carrie is here to talk about her latest, international bestseller, The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you, Dr. Mara. It's such a delight to be here and to hear your wonderful voice. (laughs) It's so great to hear you. And I'm so excited to talk to you about this awesome book. And um, But first, let me just ask you, how are you and how are things going back in hot Austin, Texas? Well, you're accurate. It's hot, and I'm doing well right now. I'm in some air conditioning, but uh, yeah, I had a good, uh, good some good activation events this weekend in San Antonio. Really good uh, turnout and good heart opening uh, yesterday at the uh, first event. So that was wonderful. Great, great. Um, you know, I just want to mention that, you know, the, the person who introduced us to each other, Heather Ashamara, um, Amara, I always say her name like my name. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I just saw her a few days ago. And so it's very, this is the timing is perfect 
to have you on the program, and I know that you're airing her interview on your on your uh, podcast today, um, the Soul Nectar Show, and then the wonderful podcast, which and then you're into you're airing my interview next week. So this is just perfect timing to have you on the program. Um, yes, it's wonderful, and it's, I yes. love Heather Ashimara. Yeah, and it feels like perfect alignment. And, um, you know, and I mentioned that, and I let you know, too, that I began reading your book, The Second Wave, while I was flying here to New York, and I kept finding myself wanting to yell out yes (laughs) on the airplane, (laughs) but I thought people might look at me. (laughs) Because so many things that you wrote in this book, felt like you were putting into words what I what I felt but could not find the words to express. So so thank you for like for explaining what I was feeling. <laughs> it's, Delighted. I'm happy to do so. I love hearing that. I, I hear from people um about the book as they're opening in and diving into it. That same reflection you just shared and it feels really good to me to uh, be touching people's hearts with some truth. Yeah, yeah. So so maybe before we start talking about, you know, what the content of the book, maybe you can talk a little bit about your background and what led you to write this book. Yeah, so I'll give the nutshell version. Uh, I was, I was in uh, – about eight years ago, I had an awakening where I walked away from my previous life um, for many aspects of it. Uh, I'd been for 20 years, I'd been in a relationship uh, with my the father of my children. It became very clear through, you know, lots of uh, uh, therapy, psychotherapy for about 20 years that I just needed to go off on my own and I needed to go another direction. And uh, so I walked out of that relationship. I walked out of psychotherapy, actually, at that time, because I'd been involved in a lot of talk therapy, and, and it was kind of keeping me where I was. And I needed to do mm-hmm. something else. So I ended up finding a spiritual path, and um, I ended up uh, having dinner with a friend one night, and she said she'd gotten this healing that changed her life from a shaman. So I immediately went, well, what's a shaman? I don't even know what that is. So I looked it up. I found a local shamanic practitioner in Austin, and I got a healing. And everything for me shifted in that moment. Everything changed. And because I realized that I was not one thing, I'd always thought I was one thing. And when I had this healing, I realized instantaneously that I was a collection of things. I was a collection of consciousness. And some of that needed to go. And it actually could be removed, like just like taking a... you know, a splinter out of your finger and it, but it was energetic. And as soon mm-hmm. as that happened for me, like the whole door opened up and I thought, okay, I am not what I thought I was. <laughs> now I want to find out what I really am. And I started this journey of learning how to practice um, energy healing and uh, sacred medicine and, and practicing learning uh, indigenous traditions. And so I've been on that, that, journey for about eight years now and it's opened up my channel more and more and more to be able to hear the divine and to be able to hear messages through the divine and to be able to discern okay that's the divine 
and that's my personality, you know. So uh-huh. this is the process I've been in. And then in so February, I got this download, this message, oh, you're going to write this book this year, and it has to be published by July. And I, I always trust my guidance, but I was like, that's a very short deadline. So I said, well, yeah, what's the is. book about? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like four months, you know. <laughs> I said, okay, what's the book about? And, he's, and my guide was like, well, it's the second wave. And I said, what's that? You know, So I did a little research, and then I remembered, oh, Dolores Cannon had done a lot of interviewing of people um, in hypnosis and had uh, found out about this uh, second wave, this first wave of volunteers to the planet, the second wave of volunteers to the planet, and a third wave. And apparently now I'm writing this book intended for the second wave because even though I've had earth amnesia like many people on the planet uh apparently i've been doing this work my whole life i just didn't realize it so that's so i've been on a journey of discovery this spring as well and so as you're reading the book it's it's really gratifying because all of these messages poured through me through my channel and onto the page and uh from a heart and from this higher center and so to hear it affecting people is like it's it makes it all worthwhile like this whole 50 year journey i've been on you know mm-hmm. so it's great mm-hmm. yeah we're all sort of on a journey aren't we right even when Absolutely. we think that we're just like going through life yeah we think we're going through the motions but there's a bigger design and mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you know that we sign up for like soul agreements that we make with other people or with the whole planet that we decide we're going to step in in this role and we're going to serve. And the thing about earth is that you get here and you forget all that, you know, but you get plunked into it. So you don't have to remember. And then you Uh can argue with reality, you know, a lot. (laughs) Like, why did I sign up for this? I don't want to do this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I read in here that you're also, you know, you did a little searching on your own heritage of being um, part Native American yourself. Yes, yes. Um, through my, my grandfather's, my mother's father, through his line, I have a Cherokee heritage. Um, but, you know, as back in the day uh, when this was all happening, my ancestor, it was more productive for her to pretend to be white than it was to claim being Cherokee. So she walked away from the people and she changed her name because she could pass for white. So we, you Mm -hmm. know, we lost our connection. So uh, my mother had been trying through genealogy to reestablish that connection. It wasn't able to. So I decided, well, based on my shamanic path, I thought, okay, well, I bet I can get reconnected etherically. Like I bet I can get reconnected with the ancestors beyond the veil if I find the right person to help guide me. So I actually went to uh, the Cherokee uh, replica village. Um, I had been there a couple years before, but then in this particular instance, I went back again, and I was asking again, you know, I need to be connected with somebody that can help me get connected because I know I need to be connected. And this, uh, through one person, another person, another person, another person, I got connected with a, a man who was working the Flint uh, stage demonstration. And, you know, because this is how it is, like the Shamans don't, like, hang a shingle out their window, you know? Like, they just don't, in Native tradition, 
they don't do that. They don't advertise. And, you know, you kind of have to be led and they have to welcome it. And they've got to know that, you, you know, there's something about you that you need help, that they're going to do something for you. And this was the case here. And I had a just brief conversation with him. He said, sure, I'll see you out in the parking lot. And as I turn around to go walk out to the parking lot and wait for him, I get this massive energy, like this softball-sized energy through the back of my head, right where it's called the mouth of God. It's like at the base of your cranium. And I got dizzy, and I was nauseous, and I thought, wow, what just happened? I was seeing the trees breathe, you know. I sat down. I told my boys, I got to sit down. I don't know what just happened. And within this set off a chain of events uh, for that for the past seven years, I've been healing and working with this Cherokee shaman who, you know, has been partnering with me on my journey um, for me to understand how to honor myself as a woman and how to understand mm-hmm. these, these indigenous healing traditions from the inside out and then for me to help him heal all this sorrow, like I was healing this intense sorrow, like just huge pain from the trail of tears. Um, yeah, just over the past seven years. And it's been healing sessions and modalities and working on this in my training with all my different teachers and going to healers and acupuncturists and being like, okay, I've got to heal this Cherokee shaman within me. Like there's something going on with this. I need to understand it. And and heal it. And so it's been a journey, you know, but it's like my mm-hmm. private journey I've been on until now, you know. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> yeah. Now it's pretty until public. Now. Yeah. Yeah, it's very public now. <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> but that was the guidance to, to you know, to uh, to publish it and share it. And it's a lot. It's a lot for me to take in because I've not really had a lot of time to integrate the, the full knowing of this. Uh, because the full full knowing of it only happened a few days before I published the book, and that was that um, my true guide throughout this entire my entire life, and definitely over the past eight years, has been White Eagle, who's you know White Eagle is a is a very um, powerful uh, ascended master of awakening, and through rainbow light activation of your DNA, and and White Eagle's here to help us to ascend uh, our consciousness. And uh, to learn how to be on the earth, like how to have earth-based spiritual practice, which, uh, you know, a lot of people that are here that would characterize themselves as like not feeling like they belong on earth, maybe Mm -hmm. saying, you know, maybe I might be a volunteer to earth. Like earth is a really dense place. It feels super uncomfortable and, you know, it doesn't really feel like home sometimes. And so earth-based spirituality, you know, this is a way that we can learn to work with the earth energy and the earth consciousness to feel more at home and to understand the planet that we actually live on. So that's that's really why White Eagle is, um, you know, prevalent for me in my life or, or <laughs> however you want to look at that. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm now just listening and following and doing as I'm hearing from White Eagle. And I'm very clear on that now. So... Yeah, the book's out there. I had a few days to integrate it before I published it. <laughs> uh-huh. Not nearly enough. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that you wrote in here that I really resonated with was um, talking about, you know, those of us who are extremely sensitive 
to other people and their emotions and to what's going on around us. Sometimes we don't even understand what we're feeling, but we feel it. Um, And maybe you can speak about that for a bit because you also talk about it as a superpower um, at the same time that it can be very painful and confusing. Um, and sometimes people become overwhelmed by it and they want to just numb themselves from, from other people, from feeling other people's pain, and that causes more pain in the world. Um, so maybe you can talk about that. How, how do we deal with that? How, how can we find balance so that we can use it as a superpower rather than running for the hills and trying to escape it? Absolutely. You know, the secret is not a secret because it's been published like in every major religion, but it's really know thyself. You know, our goal is to really know ourselves. And as we know ourselves and we really bring a lot of love and awareness and attention into our own being, and we get really clear about all the nuances of the inner landscape, like we really understand ourselves then what happens is you can get a lot of clarity about when something comes into your field that's coming from somewhere else because you're pretty clear on the environment that you're in. Then when something else comes in, you can identify that as, oh, that's not me. That's coming from outside. So a lot of times, though, we don't have that training to do the inner landscape, the inner navigation, the inner realms. And so because we don't understand ourselves very well, Um, we're not really clear on what's mine, what's theirs, you know, who am I, what's all this, you know, where do I fit in in the greater, the greater cosmos? And in that way, empathic people is what you're talking about. They really Mm -hmm. feel everything. And so it gets confusing, you know, and if you take an empathic person and you put them in the mall within 30 minutes, they're going to be feeling probably anxious and, and overwhelmed and sad because there's so much going on at, at any shopping mall as you can imagine, stress over money mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And the empathic person picks it all up and then says, thinks it's them. Like generally, like, oh, my gosh, that's me. Why am I so stressed out? Why am I feeling anxious? Why am I sad all of a sudden? There must be something wrong with me. And then goes into story on it. So that's in the negative pole. So we want to shift it to the positive pole. And the way to shift it to the positive pole is to get really curious about who you are without anybody else around, clear out the conditioning. You know, our, we, I love that the Toltec tradition through Heather Ashamara talks a lot about becoming aware of your mental conditioning your, and your body conditioning, the ways that you've been conditioned to be that are probably not authentic to you, but that you were trained to do. So it's a dismantling of all of that other structure to find what's really, really, really true about you. And the more clarity you get about your inner landscape and what's true for you, the easier it gets to figure out what's yours and what's somebody else's. Then it becomes a superpower. So, like, that's the journey I've been on in my life. And um, I didn't know it, but I was in the midst of a family dynamic where um, I was the empathic feeling person. I was feeling everything and then reacting from it. But I was feeling like um, unacknowledged, repressed, denied, not claimed emotional content from the people in my family. And then I was getting overwhelmed by it, but I didn't know that it wasn't mine. And so I spent all these years in psychotherapy thinking I was all mine. Only part of that was mine, you know. And so, Uh um, 
You know what I'm saying? You probably see this all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so to figure yeah. that out, I finally had to walk away from the whole paradigm and I had to walk away from everybody and go in. And that's that yoga journey. That's the shamanic drum journey. That's the spiritual journey. That for me is plant medicine. That is energy healing. It's spirituality. It's going inside. And as I did that, I cleared out, you know, working with Heather Ashamar and other really wonderful teachers, a lot of that conditioning. And then I was able to be um, more clear about who I am. And I started practicing healing with others. And I started realizing how dang clairvoyant I am. And I never knew it. I thought it was just me, my stuff, but I was picking up on other people's stuff all the time. So I strengthened it and honed that skill. And really, like empathic people, when you get there and you really can can know that your your little twinge here or your little feeling here or your emotionality over here and the context in which it happens, you start to realize what a shapeshifter you actually are, which makes you really powerful in helping other people because you really get them. You understand because you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that makes you less likely to fear it and want to numb it because you know that it's not yours, but you can use that feeling to help somebody. Then, then you can, it's, it's, it's compassion rather than your own pain. It's compassion. Yeah. And you can get really good at tracking defensiveness within yourself or, you know, what part of it is sticky for you and, and that's your part to clean up. But then you can become aware of what well, I feel really neutral about this, but this is definitely in the environment and I'm feeling it. Now you can use that awareness for good, right? Like people, people are not going to fess it up. Like in what I've learned about people out there, like humanity mm-hmm. is that a lot of times they hide it and they do not fess it up. And you will know more about them right. than they know about themselves, you know? Right. So. Right. Okay. Um, you know, another part of the book that I really, you know, one of the other chapters that you talked to, that you write about in the book is trying not to blend in, but shining your own light. And to me, that's what living a passionate life is about, right? Not just getting into life as usual and being in this rut that, and living a life of um, a path that others expect us to take, but to actually um, shine our own light no matter how uncomfortable that is. Um, so any suggestions to help people to take that Step. I know a lot of people really fear, um, you know, moving out of the path of expectation and going out on their own and doing things that are uh, that are, are that are uncomfortable because it will be uncomfortable. Yeah, you pretty much have to take the step. I mean, Martin Luther King says you're not going to see the whole staircase; you're only going to see the first step, and you have to take that step to get to the next step to get to the next unfolding. And with each step, there is that sense of a threshold you're crossing, you know, um, an initiation. And as you, as you encounter that initiation, there's going to be lots of fear because, um, you know, I even have it, to be honest, you know, I had it publishing the book, you know, every single time I take the next step that I'm guided to take, then I go to another level. Now that triggers 
you know, any remnants of fear or like in my reptilian brain, fear, fear of being ostracized or left out or um, attacked or, you know, all these really um, primal things that are in our, our reptilian brains get triggered whenever you're going to stand out and do something that's not fitting in with the norm. And mm-hmm. we have to do that. I mean, we're living, so like remind yourself, that you're on earth, you know, and if you look at the state of earth consciousness right now, there, there's some really good things. And then there's a lot of that's like very dense and, um, you know, lower vibration and, and um, sticky. And so if you look at the overall structures that are being dismantled right now, like that's, that's pretty insane, like all that stuff, but everyone acts like that's normal. So Uh you have to kind of remember that that's not normal that's actually insane and go and do the same thing that to the, to the rest of the world seems insane, but you're going to do the same rational thing that's actually aligned with love, compassion, forgiveness, understanding in a world that's gone insane. So you can't, you know, if we're not going to change it, if we stay stuck, we're not going to change it. If we, if we let ourselves be um, diminished by fear of not fitting in. We're not here to fit it. Mm-hmm. We're here to change it. Right. Right. I like that. I like Doing that. the same thing in a world that's got insane. That really <laughs> does fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, there is a saying that if, if, um, if you don't feel fear when you're following your path, then you're not, you're not dreaming big enough. You're not taking big enough leaps. Right. Yeah, because your soul is guiding you. And let's say, going back to referencing Martin Luther King's quote, if you can see the whole staircase of your plan, then your ego's made the plan. Because mm. when your soul makes the plan, you only see the next step. And that is so humbling and uh, anxiety provoking and uh, terrifying <laughs> and exposing and vulnerable. Because your soul only gives you the next step. And you Mm -hmm. don't get the step after that until you take the step. And usually it challenges everything. Like usually it challenges your money, your relationship, your self-identity. Like, I mean, the soul path challenges you to the core. Because the soul path doesn't have uh, room, really. I mean, for a a personality-led life, the soul path is like – is. The soul path is like the 4th of July fireworks. I mean, it's everything. It's gorgeous. And so if you want that, you've got to be able to surrender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you wrote um, several suggestions, and maybe you can, you know, in the few minutes that we have, you can give some tips to listeners about how they can find their center and be clear within themselves so that they can take some of these steps forward. Because obviously if, if people are feeling really confused and muddy and <laughs> within, then it's really difficult to, to even have the energy or the desire to take that very scary step forward. Absolutely. Um, it's a really good idea to get grounded. So a lot of times people that are not really at home in their bodies, 
the last thing they want to do is spend more time in them <laughs> or like get grounded. It's easier to go the other way, you know, and get all etheric and all off into the galaxies and everything like that. But we're here on Earth right now. So the the most comfortable way to be on Earth is to actually get grounded, go outside, you know, sit with your back against a tree, get outside in nature, take really deep breaths in your body, really expand your belly, and really um, breathe deeply. Um, that's a way to clear and that three deep breaths is a great one when you're triggered, like when you're like really upset or you're feeling a lot and you don't know if it's yours or someone else's, it's to close your eyes and go inside, take those three deep breaths and go back into your heart. And you can even drop your attention down into your heart and check in like, okay, this is me. And then you can put your attention on your bubble, like your etheric field, your, your, um, you know, your aura and just check in with your aura, like, where am I? Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm right here, you know, and then you can recheck in with yourself and then see, okay, well, where's everybody else and where am I? And then how am I really feeling? Because we don't want to step over the feelings, but we also don't want to put a story to it. So let the feelings out. You know, if the feelings are really, if you're having a lot of fear, let the fear be and breathe through it until it totally disintegrates because it will just evaporate within a few minutes if you let it. If you want to cry, then cry. You know, I think we've, we've gotten really afraid of our emotions. So those mm-hmm. are just some quick things. But definitely energy body maintenance is super important. Like you've got to clear out the stuck energy. You've got to either exercise or do a lot of deep breathing or do some yoga or get some energy healing, or you can even clear your chakras yourself, like, you know, listen to Solfregio frequencies. Those are all things that kind of raise your vibe back up from stuck little dense places that you get here on Earth, because it does get stuck here. It gets really heavy. Mm-hmm. 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 So now you do energy healing, correct? I do. Mm-hmm. I do uh, lot, all kinds of uh, uh, spiritual healing and energy healing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so if people are interested in having some energy healing done with you, do they need to be in Austin or do you do that? Can you do that long distance? Yeah, I do it long distance all the time. I can do it over the phone. Um, I have a couple of different modalities that I practice, but I can do it over the phone or in person. It's just uh-huh. as effective, but sometimes people, if they're if they haven't had a healing yet, they like to be in person because then they really, um, it's more tangible for them. But um, but people have I've done healings over the phone where I'll use mapacho, which is jungle tobacco, to like clear someone's chakras, and they'll like smell the tobacco, and they're not even wow. near. <laughs> Yeah. So there's something with that. And I think it's just the way the medicine works, you know, tobacco being a medicine. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, I don't claim to understand it. <laughs> right. So um, if people are interested in having an energy healing done with you or if they want to read some of your previous books, as well as um, get a copy of this wonderful book, The Second Wave. Transcending the Human Drama, find out or find out. I know you have events and seminars and coaching, all of that. Um, how can they do that? Well, they can go to my website, which is uh, carriehummingbird.com, K E R R I, hummingbird. 
com. And uh, there's a books page that lists all of my books. There's an events page that lists all the events. And there's a booking tool that you can click to book a healing session or a consultation. I do a free consultation as well. And uh, there's links to all kinds of goodies that I have going on. There's all kinds of things. I'm a hummingbird. I create a lot of things. So that's all up on (laughs) CarrieHummingbird.com. Okay. Do you have any upcoming events coming up soon? I do. I have a uh, a fire walk coming up on September 28th in Austin. So if you're in the Austin area and you want to try walking across hot coals, uh, you can join that. And I have a book tour underway right now that uh, I've got a Dallas location happening on the 25th of August, um, 4 to 6 p.m. up at Miracles of Joy in Louisville, Texas. Texas. Okay, great. Great. And that's all at, on your website. So people can just go right there and get all that information and also contact you. It's all on my website. I got everything updated. It's a lot, but it's all up there. Okay, <laughs> okay great. So I'm going to post the link to your website on my website post about this show later this evening. So if people didn't have their pen and paper ready to write it down. It'll be there and they can just click on it later. Um, And I really, I highly recommend this book. I think there's so much in there. It's it's deep. It's very profound. So, um, and thank you so much for, for coming on the program. And we need to, we need to do this again. Yes. Dr. Mara, I, like I said, I, I enjoy your company a great deal. I love hearing your voice because I hear your heart through your voice every single time oh. I talk to you. It's it's really beautiful. So, and I appreciate this opportunity to uh, to talk about the messages in the book that I channeled. So, thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, thank you, thank you, and you have a very good evening and good luck with the with the rest of the book tour. And um, thank you. And stay, and stay cool. <laughs> Yeah, doing my best <laughs> here in Austin. <laughs> right. All right. Have a good evening. Thank you, Dr. Mara. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We have more to come, lots more to come, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Worry about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years. Specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia, Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com. 
right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on Blog Talk Radio and on drmarakarpell.com. And before I go on to talk a little bit about what I want to talk about this evening, um, just some news. Um, if you haven't heard, I'm here in New York for a month, so it's about another two and a half weeks. And it's not all vacation. Uh, last week, as I mentioned, I met with Heather Ashamara, and she just wrote another book, her book number nine, that's going to launch in 2020. So she'll be back on the program. And um, the week before that, I met with the Sisters of Charity. And Sister Carol D'Angelo is busy working with immigrants, asylum seekers, as well as stopping human trafficking and helping the homeless. And she connected me with more people, a few more people, who will be wonderful to have on the program to discuss some of these issues and what they are doing um, to help people and show compassion and teaching people about um, this whole issue of asylum seeking and why people are doing that. So that's really important because I think, you know, it's hard sometimes to have compassion if we don't understand the people that we're asked to be compassionate towards. So if we can have an understanding of why they're seeking asylum and where this all comes from, then maybe we have a better chance of being able to spread compassion. And that's what um, the Sisters of Charity are all about. And that's what I love to talk about. It's one of the pillars of living a passionate life is compassion. Um, I've been spending quite a bit of time here with the seniors at my mom's senior community. So I'll be talking a bit about that in the future and some of the things, more things that I've been learning. And um, next weekend, I'm headed up to the Berkshires for some R&R on the weekend and then a trip to my old stomping ground in my alma mater, Syracuse, and Syracuse University, and I will be looking for the 40 stone fruit tree on the Syracuse University campus. It's a tree that grows 40 different types of fruit, and that was, that was actually grafted by an art professor as an art project. It's a living sculpture. So I will hopefully find that, and I'll be able to talk about it on the next program and take some pictures to post on my website. I think that would be really interesting. Um, and also, Carrie Hummingbird, who was just on the program, interviewed me for her show, The Soul Nectar Show, and that's both visual and auditory, so you can actually watch the interview, and that will be airing next Sunday while I am taking the weekend off. That show will be on. It'll be launched on Sunday, August 18th, and then we'll be, you'll be able to see it anytime after that, so I'll post the link to that. A few other um, keynote speeches coming up. I was asked by the Sisters of Charity to give a talk over there toward their for their retirement community for retired sisters. And I have a talk coming up at the Unity Church in Brownsville, Texas, and a couple of other ones that are in the works. So I will keep you updated on that. Okay, so before um, our next guest, Kath 
Clayton comes on, the musician, I wanted to just talk a little bit about balance. And it's sort of a continuation in a way of what um, Kerry was talking about in terms of being able to take, you know, balance our own compassion. Um, you know, a lot has happened since I was on the air last time, uh, two weeks ago. We've had changes in the policies for asylum seekers, and we've had two really very, very sad and horrible mass shootings. And for those of us, for those of you out there who are very sensitive, this can feel like a dark cloud. And sometimes um, causes people to just kind of go into their shell and, and not want to deal with it. Um, and this also applies to those people who are a little bit numb to it, maybe uh, out of choice, that they've numbed themselves to the pain because um, it's too difficult to pay attention to it and have ignore it and try to find, you know, only focus on happy things. And um, while I think that focusing on happy things is a positive thing, um, it can go too far. That's the same that I've spoken, of, you know, along the same lines, I've spoken about, um, you know, optimism, that optimism is good for your health, but realistic optimism. And it's the same thing where we focus on positive, but we can't ignore um, pain, our own pain or other people's pain, um, because it's there whether we pay attention to it or not, and it will come come back and bite us. It, 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 it grows um, in insidious ways if you don't pay attention to it. So we have to give it some space. Um, and when we numb ourselves from pain, we also numb ourselves from real joy. And I, I've written about that in my book, The Passionate Life, that joy and pain can live side by side. In fact, joy is more precious when we allow the pain to live next to it because life is filled with pain. Um, and if we ignore it, as I said, we're we don't feel the full uh, intensity of the joy. We can't because we can't choose one emotion to numb. When we numb any one emotion, we numb all of our emotions. And there, you know, we can see that in more, um, you know, uh, intense situations when somebody has PTSD, for example. It's a more extreme situation where people numb themselves because the pain is too severe. And those same people will tell me in my office that they don't feel joy at all. They don't even feel they don't even enjoy things that would normally bring them joy. So when we numb one emotion, we end up numbing all of our emotions. So it's really important to allow pain in. But we don't want that to take over. And we don't we you know, we don't want to become overwhelmed with the pain. So how do we find that balance? Um what Carrie spoke about in terms of clearing ourselves and understanding our own pain versus other people's pain or emotions is very important. 
Um, but I think also a, a really important um, part of this is to allow that ourselves to feel true compassion and generosity, to allow that pain to generate compassion and generosity, which actually brings about passion and joy. And I wrote a whole chapter about the benefits of generosity and and generosity of spirit, which is compassion, in my book. Um, it's one of the four pillars of living a passionate life. So if we don't have compassion um, and the second pillar, generosity, then the other two pillars, which are allowing yourself dream and feeling gratitude, um, they won't stand up on their own towards living a passionate life. It's really important to have compassion. So if we can turn that pain into compassion and then the action of generosity, then we can actually feel joyful because when we act in a generous way, there are so many health benefits to that and we actually have a, a chemical reaction where we release endorphins, the feel-good chemical, and we actually can feel less pain and we can feel happiness. So that the and the joy from that is really immeasurable. Um, Dr. Viktor Frankl, who is well known, he wrote the book *Man's Search for Meaning*. He was a psychiatrist and a Holocaust survivor. And when he was in the Holocaust, when he was in concentration camps, he found that those prisoners who helped other prisoners, giving them the last morsel of food, for example, even though they themselves were in a very devastating situation, that those people were the most resilient to the stress of this horrible situation, that they were able to get through it. And those are the people... Uh, of all the people who survived, those are the people who went on to have the most satisfying lives, that they had meaning in their life and they were able to um, go on to to live meaningful lives because of that compassion and generosity. So in, so it, if they can do that, if they can create meaning in their lives in the most horrendous of situations, then certainly all of us can do that. And I was reminded recently of Mr. Rogers. And I don't know how many of you out there have um, watched Mr. Rogers, but Mr. Rogers um, is watching him on television is one of my earliest memories. I used to watch him um when I would wake up in the morning before my parents and, um, or my father was working the night shift, I would watch Mr. Rogers until I could hear my the key in the door of my father coming home. And I learned a lot from him. And if you've ever seen the documentary about him, he was he had a lot of compassion for children. And all of his shows were about teaching children how to live in this world in, and to accept the pain of this world in a way that creates compassion and generosity and be able to have balance in their lives. And one of the things that Mr. Rogers talked about was when you're in a very stressful situation, 
um, to look for the helpers. And so I started thinking about that in terms of looking now that we're adults to look for the helper within ourselves, to be the helper. Um, That when we connect with other people who are also helping and we are the helpers, that we can create great joy. And also being aware of the other helpers in the world. When I get really upset about what's happening um, in the suffering in the world, then when I focus my attention on all of those angels, in Buddhism they call them bodhisattvas, the people that are really on the front line giving their lives and creating passion um, by living lives of generosity Um, You know, Team Brownsville, their volunteers have been on the show many times talking about all of the amazing things that they're doing to help the people that are seeking asylum, for example. So, like, today um, is the first Sunday where the teachers in Team Brownsville are actually teaching the children who are missing school because they're sitting and waiting to come into the United States and on the Mexico side. So they're going across the bridge now every Sunday with pencils and paper and crayons to teach the children of all ages. And so when you think about these angels, um, these people who are, who have made this their passion, then it, it brings balance. It brings joy into a very sad painful situation and when we can become part of the solution when we can um, be givers and we can find our our compassionate our angel self and we connect with those people and we together we collaborate in coming up with solutions then that brings great great joy into a painful situation and we're bringing Light, we're dispelling the darkness into the world. And we're also dispelling the darkness within ourselves and the sadness and the pain. Um, We can think of it as, you know, letting our hearts break open. You know, from a heartbreaking situation, there are many out in the world, many heartbreaking situations. If we can let our hearts break open rather than closing them and being scared, then the light pours out and we connect with the light of others who've also allowed their hearts to break open. That's how we dispel the darkness around us. And that's how we dispel our own heaviness and sadness within. Okay. So, um, all right. So on that note, we're going to, we're going to take a little break. And then when we come back, we're going to, be speaking with Cass Clayton and listen to some of her music. That's another way of dispelling the darkness is to find the joy in, in art and music and feeling um, creativity deep into our soul. So we'll be right back with a little music and a discussion with Cass Clayton. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. Right, and we are back. 
If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on Blog Talk Radio and on live stream and podcast at drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us from Colorado, uh, we have singer and musician Cass Clayton on the line. Welcome, Cass. Thank you so much, Mara. I'm really glad to be talking with you. I was listening into the interview and I was fascinated with that because that's exactly what I think life is about. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I want to talk about that because I know, you know, normally the musician, you know, comes on for the last 15 minutes of the show to talk about their music and we play some of the music like we just did, but I had you come on a little bit earlier because, you know, you have a story about you. following your passion. And yes. So maybe you I can do. maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you so much and thank you for having me on earlier so that we could talk a little bit more. Um, you know, up to 5 years ago I had never done anything musical and uh you know, I was going around my house singing like everybody does. And then I had this very unusual opportunity that popped up and a friend really out of the blue asked me if I wanted to sing in their band. Um, And he didn't know I could sing. I think it was just one of those things that was so left field that I knew it was too weird not to follow it. (laughs) (laughs) And it probably wasn't a coincidence. And so, you know, where I would have said no to something like this, you know, even five years before that, because I've always been pretty conservative and logical in the way I run my life, I had a really dear friend whose husband had just passed away who lived two doors down from us. And he was really young. He was in his early 40s. And something about that changed my understanding of how long we have. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, we all know we have limited time, but we don't really know it. it, it we think we know it, but we don't really know it until it hits us on the inside, and that's what happened. So I said yes mm-hmm. to this friend and then just went into complete sheer terror. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, every reason this was going to go wrong and, you know, I was going to embarrass myself and all of these things that we we tell ourselves we can't do. And I'd spent my whole life telling myself, you know, what I was good at and what I wasn't good at and what was possible and what wasn't. And I think those, those are the head games we all play with ourselves. And um, something made me just do it anyway. And ever since then, I've just, whenever something is really scary, if it's good scary, I follow it anyway. If it's bad scary, I think we all know what bad scary feels like. You know, I mean, women are Mm -hmm. particularly intuitive because we have to be intuitive for our own safety. So there's a very big difference in the way a healthy, safe yes feels compared to a yes that feels like something could, bad could really happen. So it felt like good scary, and so I keep following the good scary, and it just keeps leading me to the next thing that's exciting. And now I'm so terrified all the time, it just seems like a natural part of my life. 
accept it. <laughs> but you know, but I think, I think being afraid is part of the whole thing. It's okay. <laughs> right. I think that there's. I think you made a good point because, like, bad scary is like that intuitive, that gut feeling, like this isn't right. Yes. Something's not right, and and yes. I feel it feels dark. Yes, well, it, that's a very good way of putting it. It definitely feels mm-hmm. dark when you're in a place that's not safe. Right, um, but if your ego, unsafe. if your ego is not safe, but your the rest of your being is safe, that's a distinctly different feeling. Right, it doesn't feel like physical danger. It feels more like, oh my, oh my God, this is crazy. What am I? You know, like I'm gonna. Yes, I can myself. embarrass myself. <laughs> oh my gosh, you and I said it at the same time. Thank <laughs> 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 you. That's a good feeling, and I know you did the same. I mean, I'm sure you see reasons that this doesn't make sense that are logical reasons on a daily basis, but but at the same time, it all comes together when you just do the work in front of you and follow your passion. Well, a I mean, I feel, about scared. I feel scared all the time. Yes, <laughs> I, I get, me I too. Um, Absolutely. But I like to reframe it as excitement, right? It feels as yeah. if, if, you know, it has the same feeling, excitement. Your heart is racing. I think when you and I talked the first time, you know, not on your show, but just talking about doing this, um, you said that to me, reframing mm-hmm. it as excitement, and I have used that ever since. Because the really? feeling of fear and excitement, they're so close. They, they really are. And it helps me to feel okay about the energy that moves through you. It's, fear is a lot of energy, but so is excitement. They're really close to each other. Mm-hmm. Very close to each other. I mean, what is, what is really the difference? Um, really, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. They are really, they're, they're except, soul except sisters. For that, except for that gut feeling when you know something's wrong, right? You're walking down a dark yes. alley and you can feel like this something, you, know. you know, this is not right. That's different. Yep. Yep. That's a different definitely a different feeling. And I think that humans are really, really good at knowing that feeling. Um, you know, the exception might be somebody who has deep trauma and they continue to treat, re-traumatize themselves because they don't have good intuition. But mm-hmm. that is the exception to the rule. I think most people, and even people with trauma, can learn to reestablish their trust in their own intuition. Absolutely. Um, it's there for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. So, so what are you doing every day that is causing you to be terrified <laughs> or excited? Oh, wow. Well, we just finished an album, a second album, right on the heels of a first full-length album. Before that, we had done an EP, which is just a short five-song extended play. So, this is really our third project. And my second one was Taylor Scott producing, and um, he's just been a great artistic partner, and he's pretty fearless. He's been doing this since he was a kid, and he's 25, <laughs> so he knows how this goes. He knows what it's like to put your little baby out to the world, and you really hope everybody likes it. So I think the first, my my fear is always that people won't like what 
what we did, you know, it's, it's like, you know, they'll think your baby's ugly. <laughs> like, uh-huh. My baby's cute. But, um, <laughs> more important than that, I hope that it, that people feel the music and that they feel that it says something authentic to them that's personal. And so, you know, putting the second album now, now we're starting to get feedback that people really connect with it. I'm even getting, you know, just a lot more than we got on the first album. And I don't know if that's because the writing is touching people more or if there are just more people listening now because we've been around a little bit longer. But the the real tier, I mean, we're going for a Grammy now and we're putting mm-hmm. it out there, asking people to consider voting for us for a Grammy for this album because it really is one of those records that every single song said something that I really needed to say. And if something hits me as a universal truth, then I hope that it's not just me deluding myself, that, that it does have something to say to other people. Um, but that's not up to us. That's, that's putting your, your good name out there and your, all of your art, which is so personal. And, and some of it's not flattering at all. I mean, when you write things that are true, you know, there's a lot in there that's not flattering. It doesn't always make me look like the most uh, admirable person. You know, I have passions and things that, you know, sometimes I wish I didn't have, but they're there. And so I wanted to talk about that because I think people think that when they're a certain age, those passions will die away and they won't have the same desires that they had when they were young. And I actually have not experienced that to be true. Um, Okay. I think Mm -hmm. that we grow in our, you know, they mature, but we grow in our ability to feel, which maybe even makes us more passionate about life. life Right. So it can be revealing. And and there were things in this, there's a song in this album that I literally still can't sing in public without crying. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to like, you know, put yourself out there. Like the stuff that really hurts, the, the things that, you hope people that the little part of yourself that you hope people don't poke, but they certainly could because now it's now it's out there. Right. Right. And Do you of course, feel like being, um, it touches a lot of people as well because they can relate to it. So far, that really seems to be true. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody seems to be touched by different songs. Um, there, there are the songs that I think are somewhat universal than the songs that seem to be more personal. The song that you played um, right before we started talking is called You'll See. This was uh-huh. a song that I really didn't really, I didn't think I was going to write a song like this because it's, it's really about living in between what people think is right or wrong. None of us is so black or so white. And I, I lived most of my life early on trying to look like everything I did was upright and you know I was a good girl you know and I think that's how Uh a lot of us are brought up you know be a good girl agree with people but you'll see is about um, living in between you know there's a line in that is she an angel or I don't know if I can say that wh word on on air Um, you can we're on on the internet we're not we're not on radio (laughs) (laughs) so um, there's a line is she an angel or horror is she just what you adore or hate would you keep her in a box so she never finds her fate? Or, or could it maybe be that we're meant to live in between? Look within and you'll see. And it's, it's really asking myself to look within. Um, because 
I think part of not judging myself is not judging other women for being free and doing the things that they needed to do. And I really feel like I love to see people doing what their passion is. It doesn't always look the way it's supposed to be when, when you grow up. Um, Mm -hmm. This business, you know, I'm in bars all the time and nightclubs and the venues are getting bigger and we're starting to do bigger things and it's not necessarily always a bar, but it's really something that I love. I love singing at bars and I never thought I would, but it's the energy and excitement. You meet people who are from all walks of life. Some people have very serious alcohol problems and I, I love everyone. I mean, the thing is mm-hmm. just because somebody has any problem does not mean that they don't have something really, really deep within them and something that right. they need to say. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a very good point. And, you know, we, I just talked about that earlier with Carrie Hummingbird about, you know, trying to shine your light and not just be, not just, uh, fit in you know oh Um, exactly it's so Mm -hmm. hard for us to learn to not worry about fitting in I mean I think first of all that's that's clannish survival behavior so it's in our genetics and beyond that it's really we're raised to be agreeable and to get along with everybody and going doing something because it's the right thing to do for yourself and maybe it's the right certain thing to do for certain people around you or for your art or for healing and knowing that some, there's a certain population that will think you're, you're just literally nuts. Why would you do this? You have to accept Mm -hmm. that certain people will think it's not okay that you have followed this inner calling. There will always be people who think it's not okay. It's just a given. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's true. Mm -hmm. I love that you're doing this show because it's just, uh, as we get older, it's just richer and richer. There is so much that you know at my age that I didn't get at at 20. Mm -hmm. And a big part of it is accepting your warts, you know, like it's, it's accepting your flaws and accepting what you really have come to do. And it's okay if not everybody agrees with it. It's really okay. You can just wish them love, hope that they find their own fulfillment. We don't all have to be the same. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah, because we can't live a passionate and joyful life if we're always trying to please people. That's it. That's it. (laughs) So true. So, So that's, song you'll see was that from the your latest album it was yeah that mm-hmm. song seems to be getting a lot of um attention and the song that will probably never really make a lot of radio play because it's such a soft gentle song is one of my favorites but it's got a somewhat related theme it's called the most beautiful and the scene takes place in a freak show like an old style you know freak show that is horrifying to most of humanity in and certainly Americans would be just would think that idea of a freak show is abhorrent. I mean, people sold their disabled children to freak shows because mm-hmm. they, you know, they were different. And I think 
I ran across, I needed to write one more song for the album and I didn't know what I wanted to write and I just didn't have any ideas and I wasn't even really thinking about um, this kind of concept as a song, but I somehow ran across one night, late at night on the internet, something about an old freak show and I got obsessed with it and there was a man with three legs and there were, you know, there were the tallest man in the world, all this stuff and I thought, what a sad thing that people would point and laugh at somebody for being different. And, you know, we still do that in our own way. We still want everybody to fit. And so in the song, the song turns that idea on its head and the people who are the real freaks end up being the ones who are the pointers and the laughers and the ones Mm -hmm. who are unkind. And to me, even though everybody's been really, really kind to me, there is something about the human ability that, you know, capability within all of us to be the best or the worst of ourselves, where we can be and right. we all have this side of ourselves. It's just like, it's heartbreaking to me because I want myself to be better than that. I want everybody to be better than that. But that's what that song's about. And Okay. There are a lot well, of things that, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, why don't we play it? Do you, do you oh, want to say something would, more about be it before we play? Okay. So no, we're going to play that. We're going to play that song. Don't go anywhere because then we'll come back and talk a little more. Um, all right. The, the most beautiful art. Can you play that song?
Well, Cass, obviously that wasn't the most the song the most beautiful. <laughs> That's okay, but I love that song. That song has been so, played all over the country, and uh, it, it's I'm excited about that song as well. Okay. So we're going to play the most beautiful on our way out this evening. That's the one that you were just talking about. But tell us about the B-side. So the B-side compares a relationship to a record album. And, you know, for the younger folks out there, they're probably just getting reacquainted with record albums. But we used to have an A-side and a (laughs) B-side. And A-side was like the stuff that was like, I always call it like radio ready, you know, that it's very mainstream and people are going to love it and you know your audience is going to love it. And then the B side is the stuff that maybe is deeper and there might be some real gems in there, but it's not necessarily for everyone. And um, it might be the better song and it might be the more interesting song, but maybe not for like public consumption for everyone. And so in B side, I thought about, you know, when I first met my husband and we were showing each other our A side for a long time. I mean, we'd both been, we were older and we both had been through a lot of things. And, you know, at some point, if you don't show the B side, it doesn't go anywhere. And so Mm. a big part of us maturing into a lasting relationship was showing your B side. I mean, it's got to come out. It's got to, you know, it's where all the good stuff is, but it's also kind of the part that like, how do you react? What's your backup method of communication when everything goes to hell? <laughs> right. You know, that's the stuff that has to come out or, you know, or you just casually date each other and you just pretend until you get bored with that and you leave and move to somebody who can show you both sides. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's, that's very what that interesting. Is yeah. yeah. I yeah. wonder, you know, yeah. when you put it that way, a lot of relationships probably end when the B side starts to come out and people are always just looking for the A side and move from one relationship to another, just staying on the A side. Right. Absolutely. It's so easy to leave something, someone, the second you see the first sign of difficulty. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's a risk, you know, showing somebody, um, I mean, I remember knowing for sure that my husband was a different religion than me. And I'm like, yeah, I got to get this out pretty quickly because I like this guy. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. We need to get that one on the table quickly. Like how open-minded is he? And it's those things. Um, you know, some people can't handle a lot of diversion from their prototype in their head. Right. Um, and that's, but you got to find it out. And I, think, my, I personally think it's better to find out early. Then, you know, mm-hmm. if somebody, if that person is someone you can really trust and divulge who you really are to. And I mean, the people I've really, I haven't been in, in you know, a ton of relationships. So the people who I've been in relationships with, I kind of love them for life. Even, you know, like my okay. ex-husband, we don't hang out, but I love him for life. You know, I mean, once I love somebody, I love them forever. So it's, mm-hmm. I may not you know, as a discerning human being, I may not be hanging out with him every weekend. <laughs> right. Like, love is love. I don't, it doesn't have to disappear. So, um, yeah. you know, finding out who can handle that level of intimacy and, you know, who can handle you divulging your true self is a big part mm-hmm. of an early relationship. Right. So, a lot of deep 
topics in your songs, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So are you performing anywhere these days, or is it mainly? Um, well, you said that you perform a lot in clubs. So where are you? Where are you playing? Yeah. So we play all over. Um, we play everything from you know larger venues in Colorado and surrounding regions um, to small venues that. I mean, I would say that the rule that I have internally is that it's a true, if we do take on um, a show, I like it to be a place where people have an environment where they can really either listen or dance, you know, where it's either built to be fun or it's built for listening, deeper listening. Mm -hmm. And both of those are fun. The places I don't really play anymore are the ones that are trying to be all things to all people, like they have a sports bar and pinball machines and, you know, like when you start mm-hmm. out, you do some of those, but to me, that's, our music has taken us to a place where we're writing things that are meaningful to us. And so we want people to be able to hear it and enjoy it and rock out to it and, you know, not necessarily be distracted by a bunch of TVs in the background, but we play all over and we'll be doing a tour in October, kind of going into the Midwest and Chicago and, a little bit beyond our backyard. So we haven't done uh-huh. a lot of that because it hasn't made sense until now. But again, this is another thing that, um, you know, I try not to overthink it because I'm not in charge of planning every aspect of how life goes. Right. But it seems like the next thing that I seem to be saying yes to a little bit more, the idea of of doing short tours because we are getting a fair amount of demand. Yeah, so where can people find out where you're going to be playing um, and also purchase your music? Oh, thank you. So we have a website. It's CassClayton.com, and Cass is spelled with two S's. And um, wherever anybody gets their music, whether it's iTunes or, you know, streaming, whatever method they like to listen, we, we're really everywhere now. So it's under Cass Clayton Band, and the new album is called Play Nice. And I'm excited because it's really – a friend of mine called me the other day, and she said, you won't believe this. I was listening to Spotify, and they have this new music um, – I think it's called New Music Friday or something. I can't remember what the name was, but we popped up in her, oh, her wow. feed. Oh, That's great. So I was like, oh, good. I'm glad they're doing their, their end of the deal. <laughs> Right. There's no deal with places like that. They, it's just built, it's all algorithms. So um, it's exciting. You know, it's, we're getting Great. more positive feedback. But yeah, we have our website and then we're all over the place now. So, awesome. um, but for shows, for sure, the shows are always going to be on the website, they're, on the shows. They're page. always on the website. Okay, great. They are. Well, thank you so much for being on the program and, and oh, sharing your story. Yeah, we're going to play that song on the way out. <laughs> the most beautiful. And um, if you ever make it to Austin, let me know, because I'd love to come out and hear you play. Oh, I'd love and to come to Austin. It, it may be on the list soon, and if it is, I will definitely let you know right away. Great, great. Well, you have a good evening, and best of luck with the new album and with your tour. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was wonderful listening in on your show, and I'm um, definitely a fan for life. I love the subject matter. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Well, have a good have a good night. Thanks. You too.
Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So before Art knocks us off the air and before we um, and before we play that song, let me let everybody know what's happening in the next couple of weeks here on the program. Um, next Sunday, as I mentioned, I'll be traveling around the Northeast, so we'll be playing an encore of the interview that I did with J.F. Benoit, who is the author, speaker, is author, speaker, and director, and founder of the exclusive Hawaii Addiction Treatment Center, and he wrote the book, Addicted to the Monkey Mind, and that interview was about PTSD and some of the PTSD symptoms that we all have. And we also featured an interview that I did right at the border with an asylum seeker on that program. And then the following Sunday, August 25th, I'll be back with another live show from here in New York City. Um, I'll still be here. And we'll be joined this time from Florida by award-winning magazine writer and certified yoga teacher and author Meryl David Landau. And Meryl will join us to talk about her new book, Warrior One, a novel. And we'll be starting our new series on that show on eateries around the nation. And for this first show, this first show in the series, we'll be joined by the owners, Brandy Hackett and Walter Greenwood, of the restaurant F&B on South Padre Island, Texas. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this show and um, get all the website links that we talked about the show, uh, listen to previous programs, and read my blog, go to my website, drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And also, for any upcoming information, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpel, Your Golden Years. And you can listen to this evening's program in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to blog talk radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden years. And on my website, the website links that my guests spoke about this evening will be posted later this evening along with the podcast from the show. And this evening's program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist, Dr. Ronald DeVere, and by Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guests, Carrie Hummingbird, Cass Clayton, and of course, thank you to Art, and thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring couple of weeks. And remember... Youth has no age. Good night, everyone, and stay cool. And here's Cass Clayton once again.
Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 